Well, we meet again. Hey, thanks for listening to Everybody's Got Something. You could say this week's episode is one for the books. That's because it's with one of my all-time favorite authors, Andy Andrews. So Andy's books have been translated into over 25 languages, sold more than 3.5 million copies, and he has spoken at the request of four different U.S. presidents. Andy and his inspirational words hold a very special place in my heart. Something he wrote called The Seven Decisions was taped up in my GMA dressing room for years. He overcame a lot of somethings to get where he is today as one of the most influential people in America. This master storyteller just wrote a new book called The Little Things, which explains why you should sweat the small stuff. I'll let him tell you all about it. You can feel it in your heart Feel it in your soul Everybody's got a little something Something that makes them feel gold. Hello, Andy Andrews. I am thrilled to be here with you. Wonderful. Do you know our first and last names begin with the same three initials? Andy, Andrews, Robin, Roberts. I would I don't know why. That's just that just I don't you are, it you doesn't are, mean anything, but I just thought it was. You are at the top of my list. Of people that I see the least but like the most. Oh. You know, we have those people in yeah. our lives. So I feel the same about you, my friend. Thank you. Huh, the Traveler's Gift. That's what brought us all together. And that brought and us together. You were the champion of that book. I Well, it's a gift that I kept giving uh, because it was a gift to me. And to tell people a little about it, because we are going to talk about your new book, oh, the little right. things. Those we are we, we, we talk we, about whatever we, you want. We do want to we do want to talk because I'm really intrigued because we've always heard about don't sweat the small stuff, and you're just like just the opposite. But we're, right. but <laughs> we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the seven decisions because that was based the traveler's gift. And did you know? I think you did. I had the seven decisions up in my dressing room at Good Morning America for many years when I first started there. And I was a little unsure of myself. And I put those seven decisions up wow. there and I tried to live by them. And I want to go through them one by one and explain to us what they mean to you and what you want them to mean to the other. The okay. first one, the buck stops here. Adversity is preparation for greatness. Yeah, it's a way of seeing things. You know, responsibility has nothing to do with blaming people or making them feel bad about where they're from or where they are. Responsibility is about hope and control. Mm. Because if if you blame your mom or if you blame the the president or you blame your neighbor, there's there's no there's little hope there because there's no control. If you can believe you make choices that lead you to a place you don't like, doesn't it make sense you can make choices that lead you to a place you do like? Mm-hmm. So the game becomes to make better choices, and that's what the other seven are about. I cannot express how much the traveler's gift means to me, and I encourage you to pick it up, read about the other decisions Andy wrote about. Each one has a very special meaning. Andy and I went through them all, but there are two I want to make sure you hear Andy explain himself. They have made such a difference for me, and I hope they will for you, too. This is the one that I really live by, and I wake up on Good Morning America, and I choose this. Today, I will choose to be happy. I am the possessor of a grateful heart, and I try to, because it is a privilege, can I tell you this, my friend, to say good morning to America. To wake America up. And I choose to be happy. 
it's not fake. You know, right. I, you I, know know, I, I can't fake the funk. And sometimes, yeah, my heart is heavy. And I, the Lord knows everybody's got something. That's the name right. of this podcast. And I've had my something. But I choose. I, I'm grateful that I have the ability to choose to be happy because there's some people when I say that they say, well, Robin, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm depressed. I'm clinically, I have issues. And I said, right. I understand that. And right. I'm not saying, and I, so I'm not saying that, Oh, you can just, sure. but if you are um, like the majority of people, you can make that choice. Right. And I choose to be happy. And that's one of your decisions. Cause that's, you're exactly right. And when I put that in the book 12 years ago, I, has it been 12 years? It's been 12 years, wow. which is amazing. Wow. I, but uh, when I when I put it in, I I didn't I didn't even like it to be honest with you because I I just felt very uncomfortable about that. Why? And, well, because and I but maybe now now understand too. I want people anybody's listening to this, and I know there's a jillion of them. If you're listening to me, I, I'm new to you, and so don't think that just because I know these seven things that I'm great at them. Okay, I you know. I, I'm a dad, I'm a husband, and I'm trying hard, and I'm trying to learn, and I was really horrible at this one, and and so it made me uncomfortable to put it in there, but I, but I understand now, but, but, but it was so obviously one of them yeah. for successful people, and, mm-hmm. and so, so I understand now that I, we're not talking about, like you said a minute ago, we're not talking about somebody going, wow, five seconds ago, I chose to be happy, and now I really am. And that's stupid, no, no, okay? No, no, no. But, we're, but you can choose to be grateful. You know, if we ever forget that, that, that just today we have enough food for our family, and today we have a roof over our head, just today, we got to remember there's a couple of billion people that will go to bed tonight without either. That's right. And and so, choosing to be grateful is 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 awesome, and it's something that that many of us are very proud of you because you you're a flag bearer for us. Thank you. An attitude of gratitude. Okay, this is the seventh decision, and it's one again, all of them, but this one. I will persist without exception. I will find a way where there is no way. And I've often said I am patient and persistent, not a past. Right. I'm patient right. and persistent, and I persist without exception. And a lot of times when I received a position, Andy, uh, a job that I wanted or something, I wasn't the best. I was the last one standing. Everybody else gave up. And I was like, and, and it's almost like when the boss said, oh, well, Robin's still, all right, you get it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, just being Because people say, oh, I love your books, and, and you, you must, you say, what a talent. And I'm like, look, let's be honest. I, I, I'm not a great writer. I, I, I think I'm a deep thinker, and I think I can put my thoughts out. I, I'm a simple writer. I pray every day, God, give me simple ways to explain complicated things that are confusing people. Mm. And But I but honestly, I, I wasn't the best writer in my senior English class. Oh, wow. I just kind of hung in there. I mean, the Traveler's Gift, Robin, oh. they we're talking about this book. The Traveler's Gift was turned down by 51 different publishers. Amazing. And... I, but you were you you were persistent well, without but, exception because you, I had written that stupid part in the book. You had to stick with it. I'm so glad you did. And for people who are just hearing it for the first time, it's the traveler's gift. Now, my friend, 19 years old, your mother, you lose her to cancer, and a short time after, your father in a car accident. Yes, ma'am. 
So at the age of 19, you lose both of your your parents. Tell us about that part of your journey. It was a, it was a crazy time, as you can imagine. Uh, but I've you know I've always had the ability to take a bad situation and and make it worse, and <laughs> and I did. I you know yeah. I just made some bad moves and. And ended up literally homeless before that was even a word. You know, no, nobody talks about homeless people 30 years ago. I, that wasn't a term anybody used. But And I didn't really kind of think of myself that way. I was living on the beach. I was sleeping under a pier and in and out of people's garages. was not safe or smart, but but I did. And and um, I was angry. I was, I was really mad. And if you ask me, like, mad at what? I'd say everything. You know, I, I was – Mad at myself, mad at people. I was mad at my dad for not wearing a seatbelt. Mad at my mom for whatever she did to get cancer. Mad at God about everything. I, you know, I was just mad. I met this old guy late one night, and I love this story. Yeah, under you know under my peer, scared me to death. Mm-hmm. But I, we didn't know really who he was. We, we'd always seen him in and out of town. Never knew where he went when he left. Never knew where he stayed when he was there. And didn't know how old he was, but uh, he, he was. We called him Jones, not mm-hmm. Mister Jones, just mm-hmm. Jones. And and he was the first person ever to tell me the truth about myself. And and when I say that, I, what I'm what I mean is, you know, when you meet somebody having a tough time, what do we do? We give, we give them ten dollars, or give them food, or put them on the prayer list at church. But rarely do we sit down with them and tell them things about themselves that might make them angry at us. That's true. And that's really what he that. did. And and he, man, the dude told me the serious truth about myself. Wouldn't wouldn't let me get away with much. And I and of course I was I was 23 at that time. It had taken me a couple of years to get under the pier to make, make, right. make enough bad decisions right. to get there, and uh, and then a couple of years of doing that. And I was twenty three, and I don't know what you were like when you were twenty three. Oh, I don't want to. I'm, well, mm, mm. I, I knew everything. <laughs> oh, I mean, I knew. I, I knew nothing. I mean, I I well, I I'm not sure. I really knew everything, but, <laughs> but you thought you yeah. Did. But I thought I knew everything, and I would always interrupt him. I'd always say, "Well, let me tell you what I'm thinking." Well, now let me tell you what I think about that. One day he he said, "Hey, you need to be careful with that thinking thing because it, it's dangerous." And I said, what do you mean? He said, most people live their entire lives and never understand. You can't always believe everything you think. Mm. And that turned out to be one of the greatest piece of advices. Uh, advices? That's not a word. I don't think. <laughs> That's fine with me. Yeah. You're, people, you're, people, in a, you're yeah. in a no judgment zone. People are listening going, yeah, he really is from Alabama, isn't he? <laughs> hey, that's my, <laughs> first, that's my first thing. <laughs> tell you about my <laughs> advices. Um, but but it, was, it was one of the best things I ever heard a long last it took a long time to unpack it and I probably still am but to understand because now I work with a lot of people who are in first and second place in something you know for right. years I would go in and say, yeah, we're going bankrupt say anything you want to say <laughs> if you can be kind of funny for an hour God just let us forget where we are you know but now I, I work with people who are in first and second place and are doing really good and to to gain ground with companies like that and teams like that, it's very different because they have gotten where they are because of what they know. Mm. And, you know, it's like you, you were, go in with Nick Saban or Urban Meyer and, I, and mm. I say, oh, here, let me help you. Yeah, I played football in the sixth grade. I mean, right? I mean, what am I going to do? But I have learned what, what I do is something different. It, and it is a thinking thing. And I tell people what I do is I help people compete at a level their competition doesn't know there's a game going on. Ooh, I like that. 
Never heard of it like that. So repeat that again. I, I help people compete at a level that their competition doesn't know there's a game going on. Because mm. everybody mm. competes mm. the same way. Right. When you think about this, not just football, not just baseball, if you're in insurance, everybody's competing the same way. Real estate, everybody's competing the same way. Whatever. Whatever it is, everybody competes the same way. There's not a coach in America from the mini mites to the NFL that at one time of the year doesn't say, all right, I need everything you got from the snap to the whistle. You know? <laughs> but, but the problem is that oh. even the, the coach on the other sideline just said the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you do have to be good at the fundamentals of whatever you do. You have to be good from the snap to the whistle. But if you can figure out how to legitimately compete, not just from the snap to the whistle, but from the whistle to the next snap while everybody else is standing around, you'll run them off the field. Uh-huh. I love that. I've never, I've never thought of it like that. So you meet Jones, you know, he imparts his wisdom on, on you. Right. You hit the library. Yeah, he started me reading. And you want to read about other people's lives, all these different. Honestly, I didn't. What did you want to do? I, I didn't because want to you read. Ended up, because you ended up, you didn't, but you ended up. I did. I yeah. ended up reading. He gave me three biographies, and I knew yeah. they were biographies because it said uh, the spine is Winston Churchill, George Washington Carver, uh, uh, Will Rogers, and I, and I hated biographies because they made me read them in school. And what's the point, right? And I I, just, I hated them. I don't know why I hated them, but I did. Success leaves clues. That's why I like reading. Success yeah, leaves that, clues. Ooh, from, that's a great way yeah. of putting it. Well, it's not mine. I stole it from somebody, but that's okay. Well, see, the first time you use it, you say, you know, it's like John Smith says, success leaves clues. Yeah. And the next time you use it, say, it's like a guy I know always says, success leaves clues. And now from now, you can say, yeah, it's right. like I always I know, say. Really. You know, yeah. somebody listening to this, you know, Robin Roberts once said, <laughs> yeah, success exactly leaves right. clues. But yeah, but that, but so you didn't want to read those Yeah, books. I didn't want to read them. And, and so when he gave them to me, I loved this old man because he was the only person in my life paying any attention to me. And and so I saw them. I knew what they were. And I, I what came out of my mouth was, biographies and he said no no these are adventure stories the mysteries and romances and thrillers and they're true and i I started reading winston churchill that night not because i intended to read it just because he just just because i wanted to be able to say to him when he said you're reading the book say yeah i'm into churchill but it had short chapters and in the first chapter, I remember it said Winston met this little girl named Clementine and didn't know that one day he would marry her. And I, I just kind of thought, well, there's the romance there, you know. And, and every time I'd get to the end of a chapter, it'd be something like, and if he had only known what was behind the door, he would have never turned the knob. And I'd go, oh, gosh, why well, don't keep reading? And and then, you know, World War II started and it's the spies. And I'm like, wow, there's the thriller. There's the adventure. And, and I, I got kind of hooked on him. And I started. I started reading them. I read over two hundred of these biographies of these happy, influential, great people. Which I, I, you know, every time I say great people, I read biographies of great people. I think, do they do biographies of any other kind of people? It's not a loser section at Barnes and Noble, but <laughs> you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. So, um, look, take a little swig of water because we keep it real on this on this podcast. So. Somebody listening to us right now, drinking water. <laughs> what advice? do you have for them if they're listening and you know there's a reason why they're listening because the name of this is everybody's got something so they're coming here probably because they have something and they may be at their wits end what do you say to that person the first thing i want them to know because first thing i want to do before anything i want them to stay with us because i see people that are drifting away and 
they are at their wit's end, and maybe they've gone through something before. Maybe they've gone to it through it a bunch of times, and maybe they've decided they're not going to go through it anymore. And so I immediately want them to know right off the bat, this may be the worst time of your life. But that's a normal situation because everybody has one. If you look at if you look at everybody's timeline from birth to death, you can point you can find it if you examine it. Well, there's the worst time in their life. Everybody has one. Yeah. Okay. And and so, but but I also want them to know that things will get better. And there's not just hope that things will get better. There is a proof that things will get better. And the proof is that they're still breathing. Because if you're still breathing, that means you're still here. And if you're still here, that means you haven't accomplished what you were put here to accomplish. If you haven't accomplished what you were put here to accomplish, that means your very purpose in life has not yet been fulfilled. If your very purpose in life hadn't been fulfilled, that means the most important part of your life, the coolest part of your life, is yet to come. So that means there's more laughter to enjoy, more success to earn, more friends to teach. And and people look at these times in an odd way. And I, I did, too, and I tend to even today. I have to grab myself by the shoulders and shake myself to understand that this this builds muscle. You know, if you want to affect other people on this planet, which you will, whether you want to or not. I mean, you, you affect them in one way or another. Mm-hmm. And, and if you want to affect them in a positive way, understand the value that is created in you by adversity. And and I'm not talking about, oh, you know, it just makes you stronger. I'm talking about literal. I mean, think with me here. If, you know, in, in leadership in a company, you really want to follow somebody who has been through everything. You, yeah. you really want to mentor somebody in life who's been – because if – if you are going through a tough time and you go to somebody and you say, here's what's happening, if all they can offer you is, oh, that really is tough. I, I, never, I never had that. Well, what good are they really? But if they're able to say, you know what, I had a time and it was very similar to this and here's what happened and here's what I was thinking during that time, but here's what I did and here's some steps you can take. You know, there is huge wisdom. You're, you're building muscle with that. Yeah. And and you're becoming more valuable. And there are things like under the pier, Robin. I, I still I look at that. I would, I wouldn't have chosen that. You know, traveler's gift turning down over three and a half years, fifty-one times. Not in a million years would I've chosen that. But today, that is able to be used as something to help other people. I have people come up and say, I'm, you know, I'm getting turned down. I'm getting rejected with this book I've written. I say, really, how many times? I say, over and over and over again. Okay, well, how many times? Oh, three. <laughs> okay, over and over and over. That's three. Yeah, right. I got you. And I'll say, so you like Traveler's Gift, right? And and they say, well, yeah, I do. I say, Does it help you to know that a book that has done okay? That, more than okay. That, yeah. that it was turned, that 51 publishers 51 of the best minds in the publishing business said this was not worth putting on paper does mm-hmm. that help you and and to understand that you know uh, gone with the wind was turned down 35 times that rudyard kipling was told he didn't have a command of the english language dr seuss was told it was too silly and not at all marketable to kids and so the best work is you know the best books are in somebody's drawer somewhere because somebody told them no and they put it in the drawer and we'll never get to see it and and the, some of the greatest wisdom 
is is being shunted aside because see there's there's one thing that I I, I marvel at you you know I, I watch you and and you're very close friends and I see how you have dealt with the issues that have come up you you've dealt with the passing of your parents in the past few right. years and and do you miss them of course yeah. you do every day of course every you day. do but y- you. You have a place, and I'm not, I'm not now this is just me and you here. You, mm-hmm. you have a place in our nation's consciousness that is a place of powers, is not the right word, but it's, it's a huge responsibility if, if somebody is aware of it. Because you think, how many people out there lose their parents? Well, there's Robin. And she lost her mom. And, you know, how many people get sick? Yeah. Well, there's Ramen. How many people get sick again after they got sick? And and it's worse to say, mm-hmm. oh, there's Ramen. And so you are a closer friend to many of us than the people we walk around with. And when you say, good morning, America, I'll tell you what I think <laughs> about sometimes. I think about um, – remember Cheers? Remember the old Oh, show? yeah. Where you everybody know? knows your yeah. name. You remember Norm? Yes, no. This big guy, right. nobody, you know, he he didn't like his life. Right, uh, he had a wife right. named Vera. He never yeah, saw Vera, yeah. but he didn't, you know, never had a good word to say. Never had a good word to say about any job. Right. And yet every time he was in that bar every night. Why? Because mm-hmm. that bar had any different beer? Because because they had better prices? No. It was the one place in that poor guy's life that every time he walked through the doors, everybody in there went, Norm, Norm. Yeah. And, and the majority of the people that we run into, you, me, all your mm-hmm. listeners, the majority of people we run into every day in the line at the bank, in the grocery store, it has been years since any of them have walked in anywhere, including their own homes, and had anybody outwardly enthusiastic that they were there. So this look on your face, mm-hmm. even though it's through a television screen, and and one of the things that you and I, guys, if you're listening, one of the things you and I can learn from Robin is when you look at that 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 thing blinks across the top of the hour, and Robin goes on. Are we looking at Robin and thinking that that everything is just perfect in her life? Or, I mean, it, it is an amazing ability to have maybe just had bad news, or just had uh, harsh words spoken to her, or just. Uh, had a misunderstanding with a friend, and yet she is going on and she's being what she is choosing, how she acts. It's the most important thing I want for my boys before they leave home, to understand that you have a will that is stronger than your emotions. Mm. You can choose how you act despite how you feel. That's true. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of my of my folks, and thank you for all that you just you just said. I, 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 I mean it. You I'm know humble, I wouldn't but, have said but, it. But, you know, it is a privilege to be a messenger, and I feel that I am being used to be a messenger and to be a symbol of this too shall pass. And how many times in the morning I get a little weepy when somebody comes up to me in the audience and says that, you know, we went through the journey together. Right. Oh, gosh. I mean, to um, to be in that place is, is, is really an honor. And my dear sister, who was my, my donor and the reason I'm still here, uh, often said it takes courage to believe the best is yet to come, and and some and you're very you're you're so right because sometimes you think, and and sometimes when it's so bad, I, I feel like well it can't get any worse, so it's got to it's got to start getting better. So, right. but it takes courage to believe that's going to be the case. And I and this is one thing of, of many 
um, that have gotten me through difficult times, God's delays are not his denials. That it may be delayed, um, but we don't know the purpose of why we've been put in it. Look, I'm not one of those people that said, cancer is the best thing that ever happened to me. And losing my parents the best, it's made me a better person. No, I I wish I didn't have cancer. I wish my mom and dad were still here. But I know that's the way it was chosen for me to learn the lesson. And the real tragedy is if you don't take that time to understand, okay, now why was this placed in my path? And what is the lesson uh, I, I'm, I'm supposed to learn and to be able to share? And yes, I would have loved these lessons to be uh, another way that they have, would have been chosen for me another way, but this is the way that it was chosen for me to, to learn and, and more importantly to share. And I also feel this transfer of, of, um, of spirit with my mother and my father, uh, especially my mother. And right. again, how you shared that message with me. Uh, from a friend of yours because they were on the Federal Reserve Bank board together. Mama loved that board down in New Orleans. And when people who come to see me who knew my mom, and they say this about my other siblings as well, my two sisters and brothers, and uh, it's um, why wouldn't you want to be in a position to to affect change? Because there's so much going on. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. But enough about me. I'm not, this is about you, Andy no, Andrews. But gosh, and you got, me, you got me got a little, a little teary and all that. <laughs> I want to talk about, because I'm really intrigued by the, your new book. Because I've always learned, a lot of us is like, don't sweat the small stuff. Right, sure. You know, you know, and then you turned it 180 and said, whoa, 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 whoa. It's the little things. It's the little things. So why did you, did you turn that on? It's head, and, and what's your purpose there? You know, I, I the past several years, I have been working intensely with uh, some companies and teams, and I have been very aware that I, you know, in, to to progress in what we laughingly refer to as my career, uh, I, <laughs> I, I I have to have I have to produce results in in, uh, in other people. I have to because. I don't have a Super Bowl ring. I don't have a gold medal. I wasn't the hero of some national disaster we all remember. Mm-hmm, you know, I mm-hmm. you know I wasn't the CEO of some company. I, I'm just a, a daddy. I'm I'm a husband. I'm a friend. Uh, you know, I kind of talk fast and 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 I I have to produce results. And so in doing that, I knew that I also had to produce incredible results. I could not work with somebody and have them only increase 17, 20% a year because that's what the best in an industry, that's what they do. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I had to have some people doubling and tripling. I had to have crazy, ridiculous results. So somebody said, wait a minute, what's happening? And so we've we've had a lot of those. And and so I realized a couple of years ago that the way I was doing it, because Polly asked me, she said, how are you doing this? You don't know anything about the mortgage industry. You don't know anything about that, what they do. And, you know, you, you just got off the phone with Hugh Freeze 15 times in the past two days. What, wow. in the, you know, what in the world are you doing? And I, I realized that there were little tiny shifts 
in thinking. And I also realized I didn't have any of them written down. And I thought, man, if I croak and my boys grow up and don't have access to this, I'm going to be so aggravated. And so I started writing these things down and started really, really thinking through them and exploring. And see, we have this this idea about the big picture. Everybody, we want to hire people with the big Mm -hmm. picture. We want to follow somebody. They got the big picture. But but we forget that all big pictures are made up of little bitty things. When Leonardo da Vinci created the I love when you write about this. Yeah, the yeah. Mona Lisa, he he chose the smallest brush that had ever been mm-hmm. used at that time. And they asked him why and he said because I'm I'm creating a masterpiece. Well, he did. It's lasted hundreds of years and we still you know identify that as one of the greatest masterpieces. Well, what are you creating in your life? What is it that you're doing with your life or your business or your family? Because whatever it turns out to be, at the end of it all, whether you've created a masterpiece or a disaster, it will have been done one choice at a time, one decision, one little action at a time, one tiny brushstroke at a time. Yeah. When you think about it, when I was reading that, and I was like, oh, my gosh, how painstaking that was. But we just see the final product. Yeah. Big picture. You go to the Louvre and yeah. you can't even with a magnifying glass right. see exactly. brush strokes. Right, exactly. You are a great writer. Most passionate than ever about your search to notice that one thing. This is what you wrote. The one tiny thing that when understood and harnessed allows us to create a life of extraordinary purpose and powerful results. Why did you want to write this now? I think... That this this is a time in our nation's history where people need personal power more than any other time that, to understand that they can control some things in their lives. I I have learned how to explain some things, and I put them in this book. I I've learned how to explain some things that can take people away from this. I can't find a job. I can't. I don't know what to do. I, you know, and I I really have learned to help people compete in ways that other people don't even know a game is going on. And if you can understand how that happens inadvertently, you can make it happen on purpose. How valuable mm. can you become to other people? I, I, oh, I love you. I always learn so much. And <laughs> the takeaway, little success leaves clues and uh, little nuggets, but also the, the, the passion of what you say. But also it's your humor, my friend. And uh, for those of us who know you, you know, of, of your of your many uh, gifts, comedian. Was I, one. I, sure I know, yeah, you know that made that that paid the bills there. I did, it there, did. But, but what is it, Andy? What is it about? Because I think I have. I don't think I'm funny. I think I have a great sense of humor, and I and I use that sometimes in the morning because right. I just think it's this this way of just we all just just need that. But what is it about humor? Humor is something that brings us all together. Humor is uh, humor is a leveler because you know humor is something that that many times people practice only with their dearest friends and you know the 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 possibility that what you say might be seen as silly or what you say might strike somebody wrong or what you say uh, might not be as funny as you thought it was it, it keeps most people. Uh, clammed up, except with their closest friends, and and I I really you know it's one thing I really prompt in my boys is I prompt mm. them to to think differently. You know if you if you ask kids 
people who work with kids, what's the biggest problem teens are facing? It would be, they would say, the same thing you and I grew up with, that peer pressure thing. They're oh, scared yeah. To be, scared to be different. And and then when you're older, that's all you want to do is to be different. That's right. <laughs> because if you look at yeah. who they admire, you know, Bill Gates, Oprah, right. you know. They, well, why do you admire them? Because of what they can do. They have a, a two cars. They 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 have a, a three houses. They they can help people if they want to. Okay, well, so what you're saying is they're really different. They're really different. Mm-hmm. But But what I want you to understand, young man, young lady, is that somewhere along the line, they had to get comfortable with the idea of being different so that they could end up being different. You have two teenage boys. Yes, ma'am. So what is the, the little things? The little things that you that you say to them, that you want for them, that you impart on them that you can with other parents that have, you know, teenage Listen, kids. You and I could talk for hours about this. I bet. I have I've learned so much about this and I, I have a passion for helping parents because I really believe so many of us are wandering in the dark. And I think to a great degree, a lot of it is because we are looking in the wrong direction. We're, we're, we're trying to look at big things and it's the little things. I'll tell you a huge little thing that is just, it's, it's stunning in its simplicity. But a lot of times parents will talk to me and say, we're having an issue with this. And I'll just ask it. So what is your you know, what is your M.O.? What is your how, how do you parent? You know, well, we're just trying to raise great kids. We want to raise great kids. That's a huge thing to us. It's a priority to us. Uh, we decided if we're going to have kids, there's going to be a number one thing. We want to raise great kids. And I, I want to say, well, there's your problem. Because you, you don't really want to raise great kids. What you want to do is raise kids who become great adults. Mm. It's two different things. And two different pathways lead to each. We know people who they were great kids and they got away from home. Something happened, didn't it? That's true. That's true. And so, so there are little bitty things. And I'll t- I'll tell you one of them. Now, this is a curious thing because this this might you, you might get letters about this. All right, but I had somebody ask me last night because we had some people over at the house last night, and they were saying, "How do you get your boys to do this?" I said, "I don't. I don't. I they they choose how they act." Now, I will say that one of the smartest things I ever did was tell my boys at, at 11 or 12 that when they turned 16, they bought their own car. I'm not buying them a car. And and the reason I did that mm-hmm. was because it sets them in a different mindset. And they have to make adult choices, and they have to figure out, you, you want to go minimum wage job? You want to start a business of your own? What do you, you want to just save grandma's money and, you know, maybe you have $400 for a car in two years, right? <laughs> right, right. And so, so they, they both knew right away they're going to have to start their own businesses. They're going to have to do something to get more than a $3,000 car. So with, with Austin, yeah. for instance, um, I want to provide what's in it for him. So, so let's just say – Let's just say that uh, Austin comes in and he says, am I dressed okay? Now, he doesn't do this, okay? But let's just say okay, that he did. Right. That he said, am I dressed okay? And I look up and um, and he's dressed in clothes. Or, uh, 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 here's a good one. Here's a good one because nobody will no, – because uh, people will – their ears are going to perk up with this. <laughs> let's say he has his hat on backwards. Uh-huh. All right. And I was and, – and, and I would say to Austin, all right, buddy, here is something. Now, now this is a conversation we actually had, all right? Uh, I did not say, turn your hat around. I didn't say that. 
I said, Austin, I want to make you aware. You know, everybody thinks they're thinking outside the box. But if everybody's thinking outside the box, then none of us are thinking outside the box. We need to get way outside of town, away from the factory that's building the boxes that everybody else is sitting around outside of. Right. And so, so, so what I want you to understand about this hat backward thing is it's not wrong. It's not right. It's not a sin. It's just what it is. I, you know, right. it's, it's, it's like, okay, now, but here is what you are going to have to decide in your adult life. Now, Austin has a citrus management business, okay? He's managing citrus trees. And, and of course, if somebody has a citrus tree in their yard, they're likely to have a little more money. They're likely to, you know, be over 45. And I said, you get clients, you make money according to the people who want to have you once a week come in their yard and, and like this. And I said, so Austin, these people are over 45 generally. Now, this hat backward thing, it, it don't matter to me. You wear it however you want. But if you look at the facts, you could say that there's probably 20 or 30 percent of the hiring and firing age people in America. They don't like that look. Are they right or wrong? I, I have no clue. I, they're, it, because, again, it's not wrong. Mm-hmm. There's nothing – it's, it's no, not illegal. Right. It's not wrong. Okay, but 20 or 30 percent of the people in America, they don't like that look for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to decide, are you going to go out every day and knock 20 or 30 percent of the possibilities of people who just would not – hire you, would not contract with you, just because they don't like that look. And so all I'm saying is, there will be things in your life, Austin, that if if, if, if you don't, if there's not a reason for it, like if you don't have skin cancer on the back of your neck and you're using the bill to cover it, okay. you know, if, if it's just, if it, if it doesn't matter, then you have to decide what the cost is and how you're going to do it. You know, the yes, ma'am, no, ma'am thing, I used to think it was a regional thing, and, and maybe, maybe it was. But I want to tell you something. There are 20% of people in America that when, when a kid says yes or yeah, they just think that's a little disrespectful. Yeah, yeah. Okay? I mean, you mm-hmm. and I grew up there. And, and so is it right or wrong? No, it's not no, right or wrong. But, but it's, it, and, I, and I get that a lot, too. And, it's, and when I'm in the studio audience and, it, and someone comes up and they have a child with them, you know, teenager or younger, and they say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And I know I look at the child differently. You do. And, I, and, not that, and, and it's not like the, the child that doesn't say it, do I look like at him um, um, in a negative way. Right. I just look at the one who did it in a positive way. But I, does that make sense? I don't yep. look at the one who didn't say yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am negatively. I just look positively so at the So here's where it comes down to it. You work, you work with a massive corporation. Many of us do. Many of us work with huge places, and we know that when when it comes down to it, when they put out for a job and there's 400 resumes that come in and they run them through the mill and the interns knock out 300 of them and then somebody looks at 100 and then they come down to 10 and they get personal interviews, now we got it to three. They're the same age, same experience, the same degree. They're, they're every, you can't figure – but you got to figure out how do you, how do you pick. Now it just dawns on me. It becomes a little things then. It becomes a little things. Yeah, at that point when everything's all equal, I never just thought about it until just then. Then it's it's the it's the little thing that they do right at that moment that will get them that position. I never thought of that. And it, oh wow wow! Hey, do you have a fishbowl? 
We got a fishbowl on our podcast. You have a fishbowl. Yeah, well, you got, got a, a big fishbowl. podcast. I got, got it. No, we got. It's called "Don't Blink, Don't Think." This is high. <laughs> this is high class here. That is that, okay. So you pick it out. Okay. And you don't. You just whatever immediately comes to your mind. Okay. Answer it. Here you go. Oh, All okay. right. Okay. What does it say? What's your favorite dad joke? Oh, perfect. Yeah. No, I, I, I can tell you. I can tell you. I, re- I remember uh, going to my dad. See, my dad was a minister, mm-hmm. right? And I, I remember that. going to my dad one time, and and I, we had this big hair thing back then. My dad my dad wasn't explaining things to me like I try to explain to Austin. <laughs> Adam. And, and, and I went to my dad, and I said I asked to borrow the keys to the car. And my dad and my dad said, you know, I, I'll – I'll give you the keys car when you cut your hair. But I was ready for this. My dad, the minister, and I said, I said, Dad, Jesus had long hair. And he said, yeah, and he walked everywhere he went. (laughs) (laughs) That, That is a great daddy joke. And that's a great way to end. Andy, as always, it it just raises my spirits. I love you, to Robin. Be, to, be, to be in your presence. You it, it really does. a favorite. And, and I'm so glad that the Traveler's Gift 12 years ago was placed in my hands and that we've maintained this friendship all these years and reading your, your many books. And now it's the little things. And I just realized it truly is. It's the little things. The little it's, things. it's a book that will help. And yeah. I, I appreciate you so much. Yeah. Little things from a man with a big heart. <laughs> Andy Andrews. Thank you. Always a good time with that man. And you can find The Little Things in bookstores right now and, of course, Andy's first book, The Traveler's Gift. Next week's episode is going to fill you with glee. Can you guess who it is? Leah Michelle stopped by to chat after she performed on GMA and talks about one of her all-time favorite glee moments. We'd love to hear from you, our listeners, so just leave us a review and let us know what you like and what we could do better. And hey, while you're there, let us know what your something is. We might want to talk to you on one of our upcoming episodes. All right, before we go, yep, gotta say it. Hot mess, still blessed. Big thanks to my podcast posse, John, Alex, Rennie, Josh, Jade, and Danielle. And of course, my entire team at Rockin' Robin Productions, GMA, and ABC Radio that contribute to this podcast. Have a good one, everybody. Can't wait to be with you again next week.